going on, guys? I like that voice pitching and all. What is up? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Hopefully you guys have been following along, having fun, and keeping the shiny side up. So yeah, we missed the episode this Sunday, but you guys are going to be hearing this. Actually, my plan is to launch it as soon as we are done recording with tonight's event or tonight's chat. So lined up a pretty good uh, pretty good show, actually. Uh, one of tonight's guests actually reached out to me and... Uh, Got a big old party going on here with the music. And said, hey, I'm getting ready to travel abroad for a race. I want to do some talking. So, hopefully you guys had a chance to tune in to episode number 32, or excuse me, 34, talking to Dave Black, couch to Dakar. He was out at the Kota rally. Looks like it was a blast, so I'm going to be reaching out, and if he's listening to Mike find out how the event went it looked like it was a blast so i'm looking forward to that one so anyway uh today's episode what do we got going on Hmm? 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 all right so the person that reached out to me this time around was actually none other than mason klein so mason klein sharing some news he's getting ready to travel for a race and we've got some other stuff going on so not only that it is going to be a first for the podcast and hopefully everything works out we are going to have Mason Klein. We are going to have Dan Bartolucci. And we're also going to have Mr. Happy Dave Martin on as well, all at the same time. So this should be interesting. Hopefully you guys like the episode. I think it'll be really cool. So if you haven't already, don't forget, like and subscribe and do all that funny stuff. So give it just a sec. We are going to get these guys on the show and, and getting to go here. But in the meantime, let me turn down this party. And we'll get everybody queued up here. So yeah, so yeah, this should be pretty good. Let's get the link over to them and make this happen. All right, so on the line, we've got Mason Klein. Mason, hello. say hello. <laughs> Hi. Dan Bartolucci, are you there? Hi, everyone. Yep, I'm right here. All right. Happy Dave. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Okay, Mason, big news. Where are you headed? Um, I'm headed to Spain on Saturday morning. Do some rally training with Jordy Villadoms for like a week. Mm-hmm. Then I'm headed to my first rally outside of the United States, the Morocco rally from October 4th to the 15th. Nice. Well, technically, Baja and Sonora are out of the United States, just to be uh, a smart ass. Well, I don't know <laughs> the words. <laughs> country? Well, is it a country? I don't know. Inter- international. We'll, 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 I'm, go I'm going go. far away. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico's still close enough. It really doesn't feel international yet. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I've heard a little bit about, actually, it was funny. I was on the phone on the way back talking to buddy uh, Gnarly Dave about Jordy's place. Yeah. And so what's the, the training like there? Like what, what's the experience there? Um, it's a lot different riding in Spain than it is out here because obviously there's like a lot more farmland and a lot more, I don't know if it's more mountains, but there's like, there's a lot of everything you don't get to ride here. And, um, it's just a nice experience because you have someone who obviously knows exactly what a Dakar road book supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And, you get really good training and 
all the advice that comes with being with someone like Jordy is really nice. Nice. So it makes you feel a little more, a little more comfortable. Yeah. Nice. And how much, how much, uh, how much riding are you guys planning on doing? Do you have an idea how many kilometers you're going to be doing or? I don't know kilometers, but it's September 27th to the third. I also don't know the days. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, that's still the numbers. That's a pretty like, good stint though. How many? Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. It's still, it's still a good stint. And then, yeah. and, and then, then from there straight to Morocco. <laughs> so it's moto vacation. Yeah. Nice. Another five days of racing. Very nice. And then uh, come home for a SoCal rally. Do you uh, swap bikes between that, or do you have time to refresh the, the bike that you're using for the training before you go to Morocco? So the bike I'm using in the training, I'm using it because I should have the same suspension, and I don't have that much time on it. I've uh-huh. only used, uh, I think the setting that's in it, I just got from WP, hanging out with the KTM guys the last few weeks. So when I go there, there should be a new setting, and I should feel sort of comfortable. And it'll just be good to ride the same suspension. But for Dakar, obviously, I'll get a different motor. Like, it'll be a fresh bike. And Morocco, I'll use the same one as the training. Gotcha. So how was, uh, yeah, and that's a very good point. I did see you out there with the KTM boys. How was that? Um, Pretty great. Just like five weeks of riding a rally bike. From Utah to Barstow to everywhere. Nice. I, we did 1,200 miles in like six or seven days. Wow. Okay. So it was some business. Yeah. We're doing a lot of riding, a lot of road books, a lot of training, and then a lot of testing. All right. Well, I know you probably can't disclose some of the stuff you saw there. That's okay. It was awesome. That's all that anybody <laughs> needs to know. It was great. I wish everybody could have been there. Nice. Hey, so I, there's actually there's been a question that I've been meaning to ask. And I'm going to start asking because I know you you split duties, right? You you ride the what I call the skinny bikes, and yeah. and ride the rally bike. What's the exactly. difference? What's the difference between those two? Do you feel more um, comfortable on one or the other? I mean, after coming off the rally bike and riding my 500, mm-hmm. the 500 is like nothing. The, I feel like I'm more comfortable on the rally bike now with my suspension. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could ride it way better. Okay. But trans, like transitioning, it's like it's not a big deal, really. Anything is better than the rally bike. It just feels like it's so much easier to ride a regular bike. You feel like you're going so much faster. Okay. And I like that. So it feel, feels like a little bit more more stable, I can imagine, because of the weight? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, I let my brother ride it recently. Yeah. And we went, just went to a whoop track. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny watching like how good you could ride it through anything. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't think because I, I saw, I mean, I don't know the, the exact spec on your bike, but I was actually looking at them the other day. And I think they're about th- like right at 300 pounds or just a hair over 300 pounds. Yeah, they're heavy. You feel it in the turns, especially on a turn track. Yeah. But straight line, I mean, and what you guys are trying to do, Mach 12 across the desert reading road books. Yeah, it's pretty much the perfect <laughs> bike for it. 
Nice. I got a question for you, Mason, about the bike. Have you played with the fuel tanks? I remember talking to Skyler and a couple of the other guys that they've got a technique for how to manage the fuel where they burn through part of the, the front tank first and switch to the rear so that it's not, you know, wanky on, uh, on handling and weight distribution. Have you figured that out or what, you know, what your, te- what technique do you use? Yeah, exactly. So, um, from Jordy, I learned it's a good idea to run the rear tank for about a hundred kilometers and then switch to the front and just run it till it's empty because it's nice. It's a way better for turning. I think if there's not a lot of weight, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, well, what the, I've been doing is hundred kilometers in the rear, run the front out and then run the rear. Right. Cause I remember hearing when they, you know, a couple of the really bad accidents with people off their lives in Dakar and whatnot, that it always happened after refueling when they had the rear tanks really full and they hit like a bad G out or some whoops. And then you get that pendulum effect with the extra fuel and it swapped them over really fast. Yeah. Even with the tank foam, you definitely feel the, the gas moving around. Right. Wow. So I, I what they said and what I do is I run the rear tank first. Nice. That's interesting. Things that I would never notice. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys are so dialed in on the bikes. Well, you've been racing. When did you start racing again, Mason? Uh, um, I think 2012. Okay. Nice. So you have a few years of experience. <laughs> on like a 65. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Well, the, the real question is how old were you in 2012? Uh, I don't even know. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> Not that old. So did you confirm, are you going to be the youngest uh, competitor on the bikes in Dakar? Yeah. So I'll be the youngest to enter in the moto category. Uh, next step, youngest to finish. And after awesome. that, youngest to win. There you go. Just keep going. <laughs> there you go. Sweet. That's how you do it. Yeah, pretty excited about that. Nice. Something special about showing up. Yeah. So 1,200 miles with the KTM boys, then going to Jordy's place. And what else are we doing? Um, before Dakar. Before Dakar. Next up is SoCal Rally, October 20th to the 24th, mm-hmm. put on by Dan Bartolucci. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty excited about that. I go straight from Morocco to my bike at home. That. I'm really hoping my brother washes for me. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, because he rode it last. So. Oh, okay. That's yeah. the rule. Whoever rides yeah. it last. Yeah. Exactly. I. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll come home and I just get ready as soon as possible for like four days of riding with Dan. There should be a lot of people. We got a lot of cool people showing up. Get a lot of messages on Instagram and Dan's keeping me updated on the total number of people nice. entered so far. I'm not sure what it is now. Dan, do you know? Last, yeah, last I checked was 24, but there are uh, two that are iffy. Actually, one unfortunately broke his leg during the Coda rally, uh, so he's not going to be able to make it. And then the other guy that's uh, tentative is uh, uh, Matthew from RMS uh, yeah. because the Canadian border thing. I mean, they've opened air travel for fully vaccinated, but the land crossing hasn't been opened yet, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But fingers crossed that um, he's going to be able to make it. We're working on a backup plan where he's going to fly down and Alex from Conflict might hook him up with a bike to rent or loaner so he can ride with us and uh hopefully he can come down because he's bringing some swag for the raffle and for the fundraiser yeah that'd be good i'm sure we can get a bike for him i have a bike here if we can't figure anything out that'd be 
it'd be nice to get him down here. Sweet. Yeah, of course. Uh, then I'll run that by him. Thank you. Throw it over the fence. Ghost riding. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of funny rules. Okay, and then after that, that's in October. Um, the next event before the car will be Happy Dave's Rally in Vegas. Nice. And that one is November... 12th, 12th to the, the 14th. 14th. Okay. A couple days out there. Nice. So, since Dan's here, let's talk about yeah. that. SoCal Roadbook Rally. Right. So, this is a completely laid-back, amateur, you know, beginner-friendly uh, event. It's, uh, you know, I started back in uh, 2015 when I decided I was going to try racing for the first time in my life and go down to do the Cortez Rally and then the Baja Rally. So, I was like, well, I got a train and nobody's doing this out here. So, I set up some loops out in the SoCal Desert and ran it myself. And then I'd been networking over time because I've always been interested in the car and knew Dave Peckham and Mike Shirley from you know, rally navigator and Matthew glade. And I was like, well, heck I've got these routes laid out. They're pretty sweet. So let's see if we can get some people to come down. I know everybody is always looking for road books because that's the hardest thing. You know, people are not willing to give them up because once you've ridden it once it's burnt. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you do the road book yourself, it's no good because you know where it's going. So everybody is always looking for, you know, for good loops. So I set up a couple events and had some really good turnout. I think the first one started off with like 10 guys, and a couple of guys that had never, ever ridden, you know, a road book in their lives and they got hooked. And then they've been doing pretty much every Sonora and Baja rally since 2015. So I'm super stoked. And I guess that's my goal is to get new people into the, the, the you know, the sport, get them hooked so that we can expand it and also give friends and other competitors an opportunity to train and practice road books that they haven't been on. Nice. So the way it's organized is you can show up uh, Wednesday the 20th mm -hmm. um and uh, you know just getting set up getting checked in uh you know setting up your tent and then i've got a tiny little 30k you know calibration loop to make sure you're dialed in and your equipment's working and then you've got four days of, of pretty good riding i've got 1200 kilometers of road books in four days that people are going to do Dang. so you start off thursday with a shorter loop 277 kilometers it's a little more technical for small bikes and then i've got uh, two big loops on uh, friday and saturday one's 317 kilometers and the other one's 340 kilometers uh pretty good distance with some killer hp sections i think i've got on one of them i've got two hp sections one's uh you know like 10 k's across the lake bed and the other one's like 15 k's across you know scrub brush with camel grass and you know where you can't keep a cap heading for the life of you and then on sunday i've got a shorter loop 221 kilometers so that people hopefully can get an early start be done early and then you know if people have to drive home or whatnot they can get a head start and get that done nice. and then uh, the best part is that you know we're just hanging out in the desert we're gonna have a bonfire beer hang out and shoot the shit and enjoy talking about the ride and then um we're coordinating with mason either friday night or saturday night his parents have offered to come in and cook up a big barbecue and we're going to hold a raffle. There's going to be some nav equipment offered up and just trying to get some funds so that we can get Mason to the car. Nice. Yeah, it should be super awesome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to being there. And putting some kilometers in too. I didn't realize you were going that far. Yeah. It's like a real, not real rally. <laughs> in, and where is this? Uh, Cantil, California. Uh, let's just say it's uh, an hour north of, of Mojave. Okay. I just uh, been telling, I've just been telling everybody Jawbone. 
Okay. okay, perfect. I was trying to keep it a little more low key because uh, uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, you know, the I've got a sign up form online. You can look up all the info on Adventure Rider on the racing forum, and then once you sign up on the form, I get your email, and then all the official communication goes out via email, so it's not you know broadcast out to everybody. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll definitely put but a, a link to this in the in the description. And so exactly. Was, Perfect. Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of weather are we expecting there? I haven't been. I mean, I'm hoping. So you know, the 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 desert's still pretty warm, but uh, last I checked, at that time frame, we're looking at about highs of 80s and lows of 50s, which is perfect riding weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the sun sets around 7:30, so you've got you know plenty of time to go ride in the desert, and uh, it should be prime time before it gets too cold and the days get too short. You know, nice. So should be excellent. All right. Very nice. And then uh, let's see here. We got so yeah, I'm just jumping around on the SoCal Rally, uh, the forum on uh, on Adventure Rider. Yeah, got all of that, and yeah, you got everything laid out and all that. Uh, bike wise, I think I've. It's actually pretty cool. You put you know what what's actually doable on a bigger bike, and then uh, what you should not be doing. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I mean, I've, I've proved some of the loops on my 890, and. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, the two long loops are better for the bigger bikes. Um, there are a couple little sections that might be gnarly. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're doing this on a big bike, you need to be an experienced, you know, rider with, you know, a lot of dirt under your belt. You're not going to be, if you're intermediate, it's not going to be good for you, but uh, you know, experienced guy can do it on a big bike on a, on a little bike, medium bike, you know, 450, 500, anybody's fine to go through. Nice. They're, they're easier. Are we going to be seeing Victor out there? No. <laughs> Not on a big oh, bike. Come on. But I'll, you know what, though? But I do like hanging out in the bivouac. So, you know, I'll be able to uh, yeah, you, be able to come out and hang out at least for that. Even, hey, even if you want to come out for, sorry, even if you want to come out for one or two days when we're doing the barbecue and whatnot, just to experience it, the, the bivouac and, you know, shake hands with people and, and shoot the shit, you're welcome to come out, bring your bike. And then uh, I, since I know all the loops, I'm not going to run them. I might bring my big bike and a small bike, and then I'm just going to go zipping around my big bike to like cool spots so I can get some pictures and kind of check progress nice. and see how people are coming along. So you're more than welcome to come, and then you can tag along with me, and yeah. we'll go to the sweet spots to pick up the action. There we go. There we go. Okay. Uh, sounds like I better call in sick to work now. Uh, exactly. now. <laughs> let me put this out there i mean you know, it's four days if anybody wants to participate you're not obliged to come and do all four days you can come and do one day do two days do day and a half whatever you can pull off or you feel you're comfortable doing uh that's fine with us it's not you know we're not strict about that kind of stuff yeah nice well like you said you know it's a it's a ride you know and then getting some roadbook experience um and there's like you said i think uh there was a, i call him i'm starting to call him racer x because I don't know if I'm cleared to use his name, but uh, he had told me that it was uh, his first rally out there, and and he said it was great time, great experience, and was able to. It kind of like really kicked off the bug, and then after that, it's I don't know if he's missed a a Baja rally or a Sonora rally. Uh, yeah, I know then. exactly who you're talking about. That's the same person I was mentioning before. Yeah. He's a character because we were sitting around the campfire the night before the first day, and he shows up and starts pulling out a spud gun and launching potatoes into the air, and we're like, who the hell is this guy? And then the next morning he takes off, and I had, a, I think, like a 15K calibration loop, and it was great because we were on top of a hill, and we could see the whole track from the top of the hill. Um you know, by the lake bed and stuff like that. So he took off and it was getting to be dusk. So you could see his headlight and he got loster than lost can be. Uh, 
and uh, came back and he was like, I don't know what's going on. But then something switched because in the next day when we took off and started doing the real world books, he was on it, knocked him out, dialed him in, and he was hooked. And like I said, he's done more rallies than I have. I think he's been to practically every Baja and every Sonora that he could pull off. And, uh, you know, that's awesome. That's what I like seeing, you know, getting people like that. They're never nevers and uh, see that that spark of passion light off. And, um, you know, it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's just bad. And then they, you know, then they discover the bivouac and all the other cool stuff that you do. And you don't have the pressure of, you know, these sprint races like the Baja 400 that just went off. Yeah. And and one thing to mention about the rally community that I, one of the things that I really like about it is just the people are so laid back and easygoing and friendly. Everybody's helping each other out. You know, I had a mechanical on the last Baja rally, uh, Sonora rally, sorry, on day three, I think, where my battery just went dead. It was a brand new anti-gravity restart and i'm like okay i got the button restart push button push button dead so uh you know i finally made it back to the bivouac uh you know got jump started by some pickup truck and had to run through the dunes without you know stalling my engine you know because otherwise i had been stuck get back looking for a battery and i had like three batteries show up at my doorstep and people didn't even want to take money you know that's how cool it is very it's a it's a very different thing yeah in baja they're like well you know well if my bike comes in and has issues and you know don't want to give up the spares don't want to do this don't want to do that and yeah it's kind of a different definitely a different vibe and mason you've it's kind of that that that, you know i I equate it to like you know when you go to really poor countries people really willing to help out because they know that hey next tomorrow it might be them and it's kind of the same mentality in rally you know today you might be breaking down in the desert but tomorrow it might be somebody else that needs help so it's kind of you know you want to put the good karma out there and reciprocate yeah uh, because at some point you're going to need the help too yeah i i heard this also happens with opening waypoints and taking penalties (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) what do you think dave so are you uh are you gonna have a chance to make make socal are you gonna make that because you got your event right behind it though yeah, it, it, as long as my proofing and verifying the books that I'm working on, as long as that goes smooth, I would love to try to get out there for a day or two. Nice. Very nice. Right. And let me throw one last thing out there. Yeah. If anybody out there wants to practice road books, uh, needs to get some miles under the belt, you know, you don't have to come to the event. Hit me up and then uh, I can hook you up with, uh, you know, one or two days, whatever you need to get training done on your own. Nice. Yeah. Cause like you said, I mean, and that's, and, and Mason, I remember that was something that we talked about too when uh, the last time we talked on the episode, right. That kind of getting road books and, and, and getting practice is, is tough. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Nobody wants to share. Yeah. Well, and you know, and then only a handful of people are doing them too. So it's kind of, yeah, the the more we, more people we get out there. And that was my hope is at least get more people making road books. Right. Well, to give you a perspective, everybody's got their own techniques and methods and way of, you know, developing roadbooks. But for me, just to give you an idea of the time and effort it takes to put one roadbook together of about 300 kilometers is I I live about two and a half hours from the start point. So I get up at four o'clock in the morning, drive out there, park my truck, get on the bike. And then, you know, if it takes you let's say five hours to run a roadbook at race pace, it takes you nine hours to do it at, you know, stopping at the waypoints, taking notes, making corrections, adjusting stuff, finding the new tracks. So you're out there for like nine hours riding. Then I got to drive back, you know, two and a half hours home. And then, in, you know, putting it in rally navigator, doing all the tubes probably takes at least, you know, four or five hours per road book. And then yeah. each road book I think needs to be written to get it really dialed in needs to be written at a minimum 
two to three times. So multiply that, you know, for all these time, gas, money, everything. It's a pretty big investment, you know, in time and effort and energy. Um, so it's definitely a work of passion. Yeah, It's a lot of work, especially when you're out there finding a lot of fences. Yes. This because is it's, not, it's not straightforward <laughs> anymore. Now you get to, you get to make the road book without using a road book. Yeah. And right. Like I need to, easily. Right. Cause I did most of my road books in the winter and, and you know, then SoCal summer hits and it's 110 out there and I'm not like Mason or the Dakar guys who enjoy it. I I'm warm blooded. So I like the cold weather. Uh, so, you know, summer's off for me. I go to the beach and hang out there. So now that finally temperatures are cooling down, I need to get out there and make sure that there are no big surprises, no major changes. I know out in the Mojave desert, there's been issues with those pot plantations that are popping up everywhere. In yeah. fact, on one of my loops, I was, I had it going through. And then next time I went through, there's this, two acre pot, pot grow out there, you know, probably they just moved the roads too. Like yeah. I had a road book out there and looks like they just got a tractor and they started moving roads and they just make these big burns and block everything off. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully I heard there was a big uh, sheriff uh, effort to knock these things down and get rid of them. So I need to go back out and make sure that no big surprises, you know, are happening, but we'll get it taken care of. Yeah, for sure. And, and Dan, just super quick. And that's kind of a technical, but, um, what do you normally go out, ride, lay down a loop on the GPS and then make a road book or kind of wing it road book and then just proof it? No, I kind of do a lot of Google Earth research first. I kind of know the areas in the back of my mind mm-hmm. and I start searching for cool features on Google Earth. And then I'm basically trying to connect the dots to these cool little features. And then when I'm out there, you know, if I'm going and I see a little single track going through the brush or, you know, going over and over, I'm like, well, let's find out where this one and how we can tie it into the roadbook. So I'm always trying to find particular things that might be fun and interesting, a little bit more challenging. Um, I like to, you know, make it a little bit more technical. You know, you're not going to have, you know, 10 Ks of road on my roadbooks. It's going to be pretty technical, lots of turns, uh, fun stuff, you know? Nice. All right, and and then out exploring the uh, the Mojave Desert area, it's awesome. Never right, actually, never actually been up that way. So, yeah, good desert riding. Yeah, well, I may have to make the journey. Get on, yeah, come on oh. the weekend. Excellent. Um, all right, Dave. I, I was thinking about pot farms and rolling <laughs> up my road book like a zigzag. <laughs> y'all y'all got any paper <laughs> well I think, you're not I think gonna the believe last this book i did with dave was through the pot farms <laughs> yep <laughs> mason remembers it but i don't <laughs> i don't know what happened Man, it must have been really challenging. Everybody showed up really hungry. <laughs> like, really hungry. Oh, my gosh. Dust man. must have been bad because eyes are red and, you know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, we got we got to we got to remember we're supporting a 19 year old man. This is true. <laughs> oh, yeah. This kind of this is a random question. Do they drug test for the Dakar rally? They apparently do. For everything, right? I mean, there. Yeah. Like there's a, it's called the WADA list or something, and there's yeah. like a lot of stuff on there. Yep. Oh, that's like the the UFC standard. Yeah. So they're hitting everything from pot to steroids. Yeah. Yeah. No, there. Well, right I, I think it's uh, so. It's inter- my my brother was a mechanic for the Australian BMX team, and he had told mm-hmm. me about that list. And it's it's so far down to like if you grab the wrong protein powder 
off the shelf at Target or your local protein powders, if you grab the wrong one, you will pop positive on one of their tests. Yeah, it's really strict. Yeah. It's crazy. I think even like too much caffeine, which is crazy, it will uh, will knock you out. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of, uh, you know, I you know, and I get it to a certain extent, but, you know, it was just even cold, like cold medicines and all sorts of different mm-hmm. little things you would never think of. They're like, nope, can't have it. You'll test positive. We'll kick you out. You just need to be as good a shape as possible for 12 days to not need any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and 12 long days. And you're, uh, Macy, you're going with a team to the car? Yeah. Going with Bastacar. Okay. Nice. So it'll be, it'll be good. Are you, are you going to get a chance to ride one of their, well, yeah, wait, are you riding one of their bikes out at uh, Morocco? Yeah, exactly. That's the bike I'm riding in Morocco is supplied by Bart. Mm-hmm. And I'll also be riding that at Jordy's. Okay, cool. So you'll get some time on there. They'll get get some get a chance to adjust the suspension and get everything kind of your to you. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, you. I I've seen what you guys do on those bikes, and you guys ask a lot. And I always wondered about that. I was like, dude, how is it that they can send these things and they have no time on them? But I think you really can just set them up just like a normal off road bike. Besides the fact that it weighs three hundred pounds. Yeah. They work so good if you have the suspension right. Yeah. That's just dangerous, but yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh how is that how is that four fifty power on those bikes? It's uh it's a lot more than my normal MX four fifty power. Yeah. It's like I feel like on my five hundred I could be in a wash wide open and like you almost start getting bored or you start looking around, you know, things start getting slow motion mm-hmm. on the rally bike. It just never stops going. Damn. And it's a it's 450. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But the I gearing is like a horsepower stock. Right. Isn't the gearing crazy tall on, on those rally bikes? So mine is like a 1448 and it will go really fast. Oh, I thought it was tall. That's what I run on my 500 in the desert. I thought they had something like yeah, 14, I thought it'd be 45, 45 or something. Or something. But it's, right. it's just regular gearing, and they just the transmission is all different than something that you'd have here. Obviously, they're they're purpose built to go really fast. Yeah. Right on. It's too like it's it probably. I mean, yeah, with KTM and doing what they do, it's it's probably uh, yeah the the gear stack in there is is fine tuned. For sure. For that yeah, particular. you get something really close to what the factory guys need to win. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. Nice. And it does warp speed. Exactly. For sure. I mean, yeah, for sure that's a 100 mile an hour bike. No problem. Maybe more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the real question is how much of a difference is there between, you know, the, 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 the rally bike you can buy and the one that, you know, Skyler's getting, getting, you know, the, the, the real factory ride. Have you, have you tried both or not? So I've been next to Kevin Benavides when he was on his bike and I was on my bike and I was like just fully wide open on this road and he's just stayed riding next to me. So he's not in the dust. He kept right. having to let off the gas, and I felt so bad for him because I was like, we're going so slow. But really, we're going 100-plus miles an hour, and he's having to let off the gas. So you have it pinned, and he could probably walk away from you. Yeah. Right on. 
Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but <laughs> don't tell anyone. No. They're, they're fast. But when I wrote it, like, it doesn't feel like anything special. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. Couple couple changes, and it's just enough to do that, you know? Yeah. It feels like the same bike if you were to go and sit on it. Gotcha. Yeah, nothing, nothing really, like, excessively, like, oh, this is definitely different. or It's not like it's way louder, and it's got 30 more buttons or anything. Yeah. Now, the, here's actually some interesting. So on his bike, did he have the larger fork in the front? Yes. Did you notice a difference between yours and that one? Because I think you're on 48s, right, on yours? Yeah. So I just went from stock suspension at Snora mm-hmm. to something for me in Barstow. Mm-hmm. So um, I noticed a big difference. Mm-hmm. But when the stuff's set up for you, it's hard to want to ride someone else's bike. Gotcha. And I got my bike working pretty good now, so I'm super happy with that. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I just I there's that video I shared of uh, of Skyler doing that tabletop, just sending that uh, his Rockstar Husky. Yeah, the skid plate. Yeah, the Pretty skid sick. plate check. Yeah, and yeah, I just I'm thinking the whole time I'm going, is this why they need that big a fork? Because I mean that thing he landed way down. He landed deep on yeah. that. He he didn't just kind of clear it. No, he's he, yeah. And it just, I think the theory is they're bigger, so they're not supposed to flex as much when you land. So the suspension is supposed to actually work good. Mm-hmm. So I think they should probably all have bigger forks, not mm-hmm. the same size forks as our motorbikes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you I are think mine work pretty okay for now. Yeah. Well, like I mean, and that was the other thing, right? In in, in talking to, on uh, Jimmy Lewis's episode, is like. Whatever it is, it says as long as it's comfortable and you can ride it and it works for you, then send it. You know. Yeah. Right. I remember talking to Skyler at the Sonora Rally. He said the first time we dealt with Boss, he got just a stock bike with the whatever their setup was, and you know he said it, it felt pretty good. But then he was watching himself in the videos and he saw the you know the rear tire hopping and stuff like that. And the next time he went down with his own setup and had time to tune it, and he said it was world different. You know, it helped him out a ton. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah it's a big deal. Suspension. I agree. So, speaking of suspension, will the terrain out in Vegas, Dave, be similar to the uh, Mojave stuff, SoCal Roadbook Rally, or what? Let's talk about your event. Yeah, you, you know what? We're, we're planning uh, a little bit of both. So, um, at number one, how do you not rally around the Klein family? I don't, it's, it's one of the coolest families we've, I've come across. Mason, just a bright, smart, uh, fun kid who just loves rally. His brother loves racing. His, his dad's a number one plate holder. His mom handles taking care of everything. How do you not rally around a great family like that? So it was a no brainer uh, to want to do something for him. Uh, we'll base it out of Vegas. Uh, we'll kind of use my home as home base. Um, and right now we're looking at November 12th, 13th, 14th. Some, some cool ideas for the 12th as people come into town. Uh, do a little calibration road book, maybe have Mason teach a little bit, maybe do a little scavenger hunt, not too far from my house and just kind of make it a fun light day. And uh, we're not sure on the barbecue yet. It it may be Friday night or Saturday night. I'm going to bring in my friend, uh, chef Jose Jimenez. Uh, He actually just bought a smoker 
and he's testing it right now. So we're going to have a, a, a professional caterer come in. He's a good friend of mine, and we'll do that either Friday or Saturday. As far as the terrain goes, uh, what we're going to do is really everything from desert washes to dunes to two-track to gravel to mountain. Um, there's going to be a few sections that uh, I'll send the A guys one way and send the B guys a different way. Um, I'm making a, I'm going to try to make a special road book for Mason, his special edition. And I might conveniently forget a few waypoints in there to see if I can get them lost. Um, so we're, we're going to, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to have a little fun, but, uh, you know, roughly, uh, I'm probably thinking right around 280 to 300 kilometers per book. Um, and, uh, I'm going to do the same thing that Dan's doing and, uh, I'm going to channel everybody to my email address uh, and I will disperse all of my all the information, the, the, the very particular and detailed information through my email uh, and, and talk directly to everybody. So um, we're, we're looking super forward to it. And um, Dan, I believe if I rec- if I remember right, Dan had Dan called me and had a great idea, which we're going to run with. And uh, I've invited we're going to invite everybody, whether you're a rally guy or not, to this because it's it's more of a ride. It's not a rally. And uh, if you're a rally guy, but you do, or if, if you're a non-rally guy and you don't have nav equipment, you don't even know what rally is. You may or may or may not even have an interest in it. Um, we're going to ask some rally guys to team up with you so you can go out with a guy and then you can stop along the book and a rally guy can say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I was thinking about, you know, for the last, you know, five tenths of a kilometer. And this is what I'm looking at now. And you know, and just help a guy who doesn't know anything about it either develop an interest or de- or determine whether or not they want to develop a further interest. So we're going to do that, um, I think, both days and just kind of set some people up. Uh, and then, you know what, if they're guys that don't have an interest in that, but they want to be around a, a fun gig for a few days and support Mason and just be around a bunch of dirt bikers, I'll have GPX files also. And I'll and I'll give those to the guys that are running apps or phones and you know, they can run them that way. But, um, you know, like I said, right out of my house, um, you know, if you're plated, um, you'll be able to literally run right from the house, uh, you know, and kind of do some Dakar style liaisons where, you know, they're a little bit longer. Uh, and then if not, then you can get in the dirt, uh, either 10 miles or 40 miles from the house, uh, make it nice and quick. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. And that is a good idea. There we, I, I yeah. Dan, good idea. Yep. That's a good idea. It's almost like a, it, a like a team kind of deal, you know. That would be kind of cool. You got your navigator. Yeah. You got a, a pair of bikes. They both got across the the line, and then uh, okay, okay. But yeah, if you have somebody like you know somebody tagging along with you, Mason, you can kind of show them. I was like, look, here's this this note. You know, this is kind of tricky because this or you know, yeah, and especially the HP stuff. I think I feel like that's kind of the harder, the harder stuff to keep keep track of. Yeah, riding with my brother, we got to. He didn't even know it was an HP section. He didn't even have a road book. He just had the <laughs> GPS on his bars because I'm having him make the waypoints mm-hmm. as we're going, as we're verifying some road books. And he's like, "No," nope. he he stops. He's like, "I'm not doing it." He made me. He's like, "I'll meet you at the end of the HP section." He didn't even know it was an HP section, but like. He knew, you know. Yeah. So it's you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta feel it. <laughs> Use the force. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely good to ride with somebody else. Yeah. 
nice. especially in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which sounds like there's a lot of in Dan's and uh, Dave's. I think so. And uh, Dave, what's uh, weather like? What are we What are we expecting out there in Vegas? Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be totally bitching. Uh, middle or you know, middle of November, uh, we could have some nice, cool weather. Um, I mean, it never really gets colder than 30, 35 out here, but, um, I would, I would anticipate 40 to 70 and just epic part of the season starting for the winter season. Nice. When is the rainy season out there? You guys get <laughs> monsoons like, uh, Phoenix in Arizona. You know, this, this summer, we not like Phoenix, but this summer we did, we, we were wet this summer, but nah, it's pretty dry out here, man. No, okay. For them, for the most part, as long as climate change doesn't get us. The, um, <laughs> nice. So a couple days there, a few days down, Mojave, well, a few days down in Mojave, and then two weekends later, headed out to to Vegas. Now I'm curious: is uh, we got anybody doubling up? Got people doing that? Doing both? Doing both events? Yeah. I might. I'm looking at now that I have the dates for days. I'm. I'm definitely. I just put it in the calendar as where you guys were talking, and I'm going to see if I can pull it off. Oh. I I I hope we get a lot of people at both. Yeah, I I feel like what could we do? What could, what would be a good challenge to complete every road book at both events? What could we get? What what would be a a cool thing to do for that? Winner gets a ride day. There we go. <laughs> Whoever completes every road book mile. Gets more road books. Gets more. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an incentive right there. there Feed the machine. There we go. Uh, assigned Mason, assigned jersey by Mason. Dude. Come on. Mason, how many jerseys are you taking to Dakar? Skyler said get like 15 because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want one. Okay, well, you're going to have to save one for the person that completes every road book mile at your two right. fundraiser events. How about that? I think that's a good idea. All right. Done. There it is. Challenge issued. It's out there. <laughs> hey, Vic, yeah. yeah, Victor, a few a few other quick details for yeah. guys is uh, on on lodging and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to I'm figuring it out right now. I'm probably going to have space to park four or five rigs at my place. But the Santa Fe Casino is literally five minutes from my house. Okay. So there's plenty of there's plenty of opportunity for the lodging and stuff. And we're also going to do a lot of uh, a lot of raffles and, like I said, a scavenger hunt. So uh, Mason and his family are gathering all kinds of stuff up from great sponsors. So we'll also have opportunities like that, too. Nice. All right. And then so you're going to do are you running single it's single bivouac, right? You're running everything kind of in a cloverleaf, everything out of one spot or are we going to move around? No, everything out of one spot. And then this way, same with Dan, if somebody wants to come for one day. And, and not spend all three, then they're comfortable to do that. It's a little, it's just a little bit easier logistically just to say happy Dave's house. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then Dan, same thing for you. Is that, yeah, one, one bivouac and is there yeah, one bivouac? It makes it so much easier for everybody. Cause you show up with your truck, your trailer, whatever, if you have a camper, set up your tent, you know, you can set up your cook station. And then, you know, when you come in, you don't want to deal with having to tear stuff down, move and hop around. It just, that's the way to do it for these training events, you know? Nice. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense. It, yeah, I still want you know more more of these uh, like events like this, but then to be able to blow them up and where there's more people there and it's just single bivouac, you know, because I, I 
I agree. It's nice. You just go to one spot and, you know, so you could literally go party of one, hang out in the bivouac with everybody, go ride road books, and, you know, everybody helps everybody out. So, yeah, right. I think that's right. the biggest thing. Not everybody's got a big group of friends who want to go with them to do road books. So having someone to move your stuff around is difficult to find. Yeah. Right. And let me throw one thing I, I forgot to mention that if you're wanting to show up and ride, but not, you know, you don't have the equipment, you don't want to invest in it or whatnot. I would love to give you the GPS tracks and you just take off after everybody. And now you're the official sweeper and you just do your dual sport ride following your GPS and you're sweeping the route. So, you know, we got space for everybody. Yeah. Nice. And I mean, and that's, um, I, you know, again, I haven't been up in that area, but I know that there's got to be some pretty epic, epic stuff to see. You know, so I think that would be still, that would still be cool. But, yeah, I can't wait to see new stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the wide open desert. You know, you can go for hours without seeing anybody or anything. It's, uh, you know, I think it's the closest to what you would see in, you know, like that Saudi, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia or, you know, South, uh, South America, Dakar, the desert portions. Minus, I haven't gotten into any big dunes uh, this time, but next time. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I see the, the one of the pictures that you posted up there where you got your husky kind of peeked over one of the hills there just chilling. Yeah, that was just a teaser. That's actually from uh, the ride I did with Mason when we for the fundraiser for Skyler. We were coming back from uh, Tanopa or Pahrump or something like that and cut through Dumont. Oh, gotcha. All right. Very nice. And Dave, what uh, terrain-wise up there? Can we talk a little bit about that? Sand washes, yeah. rocks, mountains, all of that stuff? Or Well, let's put it this way. We will be able to oblige. The skid plates <laughs> on the... The, the skid plates on these bikes are so big, you can hit anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll have plenty of rocks. Like I said, we'll have, we'll have rocks, we'll have two-track, we'll have dunes, we'll have mountain, we'll have uh, ascents, descents. Um, we, we, it really, it's going to encompass almost everything. And, and a quick note about making road books, I was listening to Dan, and, you know, one of the cool things for people that are new to either to, to, that are new to books. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I have a training loop not too far from my place that I take all my new parts, all my new suspensions. I do everything there because it's a loop that I understand. And you know what? I made a road book for that loop and I got lost in the first 20 Ks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you knew the route? And, and I knew, and I know the route by memory, but writing it on a book and, and focusing on the book and following the book and trusting the book, it was a completely different ballgame. So just for somebody who's thinking about rally and doesn't you know, really get it is, you know, there still is an opportunity in that first or second pass of it that, you know, it's, it's not burned in, even though it's an established track. Um, if you're really into your book and learning the navigation of a book, then it can be, it can be beneficial to you. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter how many times I think that was that was something that Jimmy Lewis says. No, it doesn't matter once you put the book in front of you. It could be the most boring road in the world, but now it's a whole nother it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole something else. And so I agree. And so, David, how how do you go about making road books? Fly fly it first in in Google Earth and and that kind of stuff, or you go out and put put tires down and and then come back with a GPX track. You know, I'm still finding my style out on it. The first time I made a road book, I, I went out and ran it and my brain was fried in like 20 kilometers because I had way too many notes 
and you just could not find your flow as the rider. So um, the next book I made, I I re- went really vague, uh, and then and then found myself found myself going, okay, this is a little bit too abstract. So I'm kind of right in the middle. Um, if the terrain calls for technical, I'll send us there. Um, but I'm I'm trying to find a sweet spot of making it fluid for the rider, mm-hmm. but at the same time enough HP uh, and enough multiple choice. Uh, directionals that, you know, wow, if I take this one, this could be a problem because the next node is four K's away. Mm-hmm. So um, those are, those are probably the things that I enjoy the most, but for the most part, I would say, you know, I, I, I would say they're going to be good books. They're not going to frustrate the heck out of you um, unless you're, you have Mason's edition. And I just forgot a few waypoints. <laughs> Sweet. Because <laughs> I did that. I did that to him in Dumont, and he and he picked up on it while I was doing circles and picking daisies out in the out in the sand watch. <laughs> Dan, I think you should stay home because I got a feeling that Mason's going to end up over there on <laughs> on Dave's rally. You might need to catch right. him on the other end of the desert. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That's one of the biggest challenges I found is in the desert is that there's certain areas that are really trafficked that it's just a spaghetti of trails and braiding that I've gotten to where I just, it's so hard to write a road book because you'd have to have like 10 notes for, you know, 200 meters and it'd still be confusing. So you just end up boxing around them when it's that, you know, that garbled up and spaghetti infested. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, it's because they're, let's see, where did they do that? Wasn't it Dakar when they were still in South America? I think they had that with the dunes where they were kind of running over tracks from previous days and kind of throwing everybody for a loop. And that that doesn't work out if your game plan is, is I'm just going to fall behind the leaders and just follow their tracks. No, but at least on the dunes, you're on a cap padding, so you can ignore all that stuff as long as you know how to read a cap. It's when you're on a trail and the trail has literally five different branches heading off in the same direction that it gets really challenging. And then, you know, 10 meters later, there's another five or three branching off and so forth. And that's what I mean when it's like a spaghetti of, of trails. It's just a mess. <laughs> well, the goal is do not get lost. Yeah, I mean, I've done some of those. You're just like, okay, I just got to do a cap padding so people know how to blow through this. Yeah. Yeah. Pick a, pick a direction and run. Some things are too hard to draw on a road book. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, that'll be interesting. I mean, uh, Mason, for you going out and with Jordy and them, I think we talked a little bit about it. It's like how they do their road books and, and some of the notes and things that they do. Do you bring that back and put it into your road books? So they only use one second. Let me see what it's called. Cause I don't remember. Uh, they only use uh, tenths, I think. So it'd be 1.1 kilometers, not 1.12. Like, they don't use. Mm-hmm. So that's something they do. And they only use the single skinny line. And if there's a asphalt road, they'll put the asphalt road, but they wouldn't do, like, the wider black line. And if there's HP, obviously, they do the dotted line. But their main trail is always the skinny line. Gotcha. So they don't vary it like the like you do like Rally Navigator, right? Where you've got highway, off road. You know, you've got different choices. Yeah, like if you were to go from single track to a gravel road, it'd be the same with. Okay, gotcha. Line. Yeah, so there's no distinction on that. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, that's and it's interesting because that's one less clue. So, 
so then they have to put more information in the boxes. So then there's even more to read. So it just makes it way harder. Gotcha. So that's what I've been doing a lot with Jordy is learning how they make the roadbooks. Obviously, I've never done a rally like this before. Mm-hmm. So it's been great having someone that sees the roadbooks every day mm-hmm. to teach me how to make them just like the Dakar style and everything. Gotcha. Yeah. And bring that bring that back into this side and into the yeah. the roadbooks. Like so, still, they don't use the English Rally Navigator stuff. It's still French. That's oh, news to me this year. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. So I yeah. uh, need to learn a lot now. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I had, I had where was it? Uh, I forget which bivouac I was in. They were talking about that, and they were they were pissed because they spent all the time learning French, and now all of a sudden it's in English. <laughs> so it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't jive anymore. But I eventually they're going there, and then you've got electronic roadbooks. So, yeah, well, that should be fun. So, have you had any experience yet behind an electronic roadbook? Uh, yes, a little bit, mm-hmm. but nothing's as easy as paper for me. I think it's all about time. I just need more time with it. Mm-hmm. But everybody's going to be there soon anyway, so I got to learn to like it. Yeah, coming, coming very soon. I saw some spy shots there. I don't know if KTM meant to show it in one of their things, but. One of the videos that I was watching, but you could see it. They had the clay molding for the uh, for the rally tower and the windscreen that they were doing, and they had an electronic roadbook already in there. And they only yeah. showed it for a second in one of their promo videos. And if you were looking for it, you would see it. If you weren't, you were just paying attention to what they were talking about. So. I think they're probably still trying to figure out who they want them done by. Yeah, yeah, because there's I know that there's a few options that they've there that they have. At one of their yeah. local companies, and then I know that uh, the Ico guys are doing doing their version as well. Yeah, in fact, uh, Luke from Ico is coming down to the SoCal Rally. He said he's going to bring one because I wanted to check it out in person. Nice. Yeah, those things are pretty awesome. I was I was surprised how tough they are, and and then how the screen reads on them. It's pretty crazy. Like I yeah. just didn't know that they could actually make a screen that bright that you could read in direct sunlight like that. Yeah, and Scott Whitney just used one, you know, he's mapping out his Grand Rally, and there were some really good pictures online of him uh, running it, and he was really uh, pleased by how bright the screen was, even in direct sunlight. So it looks like a solid product. And This is the Ico one, the Tower one. The Tower, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, my friend Ryan Nariño was out there doing a lot of stuff with him. It looked like some good stuff out there. Nice. Okay, so we need to get a place where we could get all the rally info out for these guys. Uh, I think I'm going to have to update the Chasing Waypoints website. Get we need Instagrams and yeah, and emails and Instagram website. Email, that's what we need. We need like an underground email list <laughs> where we just put it out, and the people that are into rally, it's only the rally people. I did have exactly. a suggestion on one of a. I think it was Jared that I was talking to, or Mike, one of the guys on on Instagram. We were talking about that, and it's like having a forum or something where it's just for the rally, the rally guys here in North America to be able to divulge more information and just, you know, the guys that are in that circle, you know, I think yeah, you could do like a closed group on Facebook. Yeah. Where you have to be invited in, you know, vetted. Oh yeah. We just, yeah. True. And as long as everybody binds their manners, we don't, we don't want to have moderators. (laughs) Yeah. No rules, but rules. Yeah, exactly. The, the no rule rule, but yeah, don't be a dick. Yeah. So exactly. Okay. I got a great question, I think, and I think this is actually pretty cool. I want to know about the most epic bivouac story. 
You guys all have bivouac situations, things that have happened in one of the rally days that you guys have done. And what's uh, what was the most memorable bivouac experience that you've had? Whoever wants mm. to go first. I definitely need some time to think because I don't have very many experiences. Huh? <laughs> it's probably something with Dave. <laughs> oh, no, okay, I got it. I got it. You got one? Yeah, Dave, remember when you had that road book and it was coming out of your backside? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we're not supposed to talk about that, but there was this kid and he was fishing at one of the bivouacs. <laughs> and my brother and I, after he got done working on the bike, I was done racing, obviously. We just went over, sat on the beach, and watched the kid fish, and it was pretty great. Nice. I, I can neither I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yeah. That this happened. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, yeah, it it uh let, let, well let's put it this way. At that point in the week I had already started losing a lot of weight uh every single day before I had a choice of whether or not I wanted to lose weight. <laughs> so that that rowboat came into that came in really, really handy. I hope they use premium paper (laughs) wow (laughs) hey this is a real thing like all joking aside the paper you know being involved with an organization with Baja Rally for a few years the paper you pick to print road books on matters a lot it's a legit thing you know the ink bleeds through uh, the highlighter doesn't mark it properly um, some are too thick, some are too thin. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you have to pick the, like, can we just have a standard? Like, hey, here's the road, standard roadbook paper, you know? But this should be all on that forum you were talking about. Like, if you want to make roadbooks for someone, make sure they like it by getting this paper. Yeah. Well, and then I want to, so is everybody just printing? Like, how are we printing roadbooks? Are we doing uh, eight and a half by 11 and then just printing them and taping them together? Or is there, what's the, What's the plan there? Yeah, that's my go-to. My technique is uh, about a week before the event, I'll email you the PDF files, and then it's up to you to take care of it, whether you want to uh, you know, load it on your iPad digitally or whether you want to sit there and do your origami craft shop and start <laughs> cutting and pasting and gluing, <laughs> which is probably what everybody does. But I can't afford to you know, print out you know, 30, 40 roadbooks for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so it's on you. I wish there yeah, was a way to you know do the continuous roll because that's that's so much better than the tape together. It seems to always have uh, you know it's a point of failure. Yeah, yeah. I found a place in Utah when I was out there with KTM, but they said that we couldn't get it in color, and the whole roadbook is now color, and that just wouldn't work. Mm. So not many options. Not many options. Okay. Well, maybe coming soon. I won't. I won't talk more about that. But there might be an option coming soon for that. Um, nice. And yeah, I like the paper ones cause I have a, uh, I actually took one of the Baja rally, uh, road books, cut it up, did some, uh, arts and crafts. And now it's this kind of bitch and picture frame in the back, which is, uh, pretty cool. It was just, you, uh, what's that, uh, Mod Podge or I don't know what the, yeah, you plaster. It's like a huge clear coat, but mm. pretty cool art. So if you save one of your, uh, road books, Mason, uh, I'll pass you the recipe cause that's pretty good thing to put up on the wall sounds like a good idea yeah yeah something different 
But uh, I definitely want to be able to bring all the road books home from all these rallies. Yeah, at least at least a piece of them. Yeah, I heard the the guys up front have to turn them in at the end of the day, so we'll see how many I get to bring in. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) The less the better. Yeah, so your goal is not to bring any in, right? That is the goal. Yeah. Well, they do, or they may, you know, what was it, Dakar that year? They they, uh, stopped everybody halfway, and they asked for their front half of the road book. Yeah. Made them cut out to that note and then continue on after that, so... You know, I don't know. All that stuff's going away. Electronic road books, it'll help help get rid of that. We'll see. Yeah. Some some teams are all technology out there. You never know what's going to happen. People <laughs> always find a way. Yeah, this is true. They'll always come. <laughs> there's always going to be a way of doing it. Well, that's a way to do what? I don't know. It's up to them, but I, something's going to happen. I'm still waiting for the announcement that they're going to be limiting the engine size down to 250 cc's. Yeah, that would be... Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know what? 350 is next, I bet. And they're going to walk it down thinking that they're going to make everybody slower that way. It's still just going to be just as fast as the 450s. Yeah. Yeah, because from what I've heard, the 350 isn't that far down on power from a 450. I bet it'll be like you bought a 350 and it's the same thing that the factory guys get on a 350 in Europe, but it just comes stock on your rally bike. Yeah. That should be interesting. All right, Dan, you got any uh, bivouac stories, adventures, and rally? Oh, I'm trying to think. The only really crazy one that I had was uh, I think it was a 2018 snore rally. We were on the beach on the snore coast right across from San Felipe. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, getting ready to go to bed, and I see all these people run towards the water. And I'm like, what the hell is going on there? And they had the, the grunion run, which I'd never seen in person. And, and, and the whole beach was just littered with these dead fish. And, uh, you know, they're driving themselves ashore to, to lay the eggs or something like that. Yeah. So that was yeah. really weird. So I was like, okay, I go to bed. And then, like, it's three and two in the morning or something like that. I just hear trucks revving their engines and right. They were driving into the water and I'm like, I get up and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So basically it's low tide and they banned fishing on the Baja Peninsula. So they're poaching it from the, um, from the Sonora side. And they're basically back in their pickup trucks in the water, dumping the boats off and then taking off before anybody can see them. And then like at six in the morning, Again, I hear all these trucks and they're picking up the boat. So I get up. I was kind of, you know, already getting a cup of coffee, getting ready for the rally and go over there. And I was just taking a picture because like, hey, this is cool. And a guy comes up really menacing, like you put that camera down. Don't take any pictures because, you know, I later figured out that they're poaching the, um, you know, the fish. Yeah. That's a crazy story. All right. And here I was thinking, you know, they're they're picking up uh, certain floating packages and, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you never know, though. Nice. All right. And that was, uh, I'm trying to think where there was, there was one of the years that I had gone to Sonora rally. They had this really bitch in bivouac. Um, they didn't go to it this last year. Um, I talked briefly to Darren about it and he said, yeah, it's just, it's kind of hard logistically because the communication there is really bad. Um, I cannot remember the name of it, but it's like this little campsite and it's got a kind of a bigger dune. And on one side, on the other side of the dune is the water. Was it there? Does that kind of sound familiar, or is it somewhere? Like uh, no, this was straight up on a beach. I'd have to okay. pull up. Uh, this is no, way north of Puerto Vallarta. It's basically if you were take the road that goes from the dunes right where it hits the water before it starts going along the coast. Um, it was a tiny, tiny little fishing village. I'd have to pull it up. Okay, it, yeah, it may be the maybe the same spot, but okay, nice. All right, well, that's pretty good. 
Yeah, it's kind of unique unique experience. First <laughs> first running with poachers in the last right. place you would and, think and it wasn't just one truck. There were like dozens and dozens all night long. They just kept going. You know, you just heard those engines revving all night long, yeah. and it was kind of neat because the tide was so low that because this is the very tip of the of the bay there, mm-hmm. uh, the Sea of Cortez. So the, the the tides are really long, and the mud flat was probably like two three hundred meters out. So these trucks are just backing up until they can get the the boat in the water, and then they take off. Nice, and run. <laughs> right. Yo, you might. It might be. Uh, it's not Puerto Venasco. Oh, it's El Golfo. Okay. Nice. El Golfo. I just pulled it up on the old Google Earth. Yeah. Right. Dave, what do you got? Yeah. Dave. I think the best one was. That day with you guys, <laughs> <laughs> but that was, wait, okay. Well, that was Mason's story. Or was that Dave's story? Because if that was Dave's story, Mason, you owe us one. Uh. Okay, I got a good one. Twenty twenty, my first ever rally. <laughs> I think it was like day two or three. I don't even know. And um, the same bivouac location, but the year earlier, mm-hmm. we were getting ready to leave, and the military people showed up with all their guns and i was like i wonder what's going on somebody did something and they were telling us we couldn't go through the protected area and leaving this year one of the days they were like so if we be really good maybe in the future we can go faster through this area so i think it's um something with darren he's working on getting us access to ride through new areas and race through new areas but I didn't really fully understand at first, and I thought we were in a lot of trouble. I remember that. Like, the mayor shows up with, like, armed escort. All these black armored SUVs show up, and guys pop out with body armor and guns, and everybody's like, what in the world is going on here? Yeah, pretty extreme for me. Yeah. (laughs) We usually don't see that here in the States, just saying. Well, because also that was the year that all those uh, the Mormon people got whacked in that area, so everybody was a little yeah. bit, you know, on edge about that. <clears throat> ah, okay. And so this was, basically, so you're talking about, um, I, I remember Darren saying that this year where there was, he said that there's going to be some observers, they're going to be, you know, keeping it, and they said, you know, just ride, you know, ride accordingly. Uh-huh. It was that area that you were talking about? Exactly. Okay. Huh. I don't know where that area is. I don't know the names. I don't know them. Uh, I don't know Sonora that well. I could tell you Baja pretty well, but not not that side. The um, hmm. yeah, that and and that's. I think that that it's cool that he's trying that, and and that's one of the biggest things with rally. Um, it's very different in how you're going to send people through that, like. You could literally like take that section and be like, okay, you know, we understand this is uh, ecological preserve and all that stuff. Not a problem. Everybody's going to do thirty miles an hour through it, and no faster are they yeah. penalized. Like, there's so many more things, and then we're not going to send a bunch of spectators down this road, and you know, they're going to do because the Baja, like for instance, the Baja 400 just happened, and then what's the first thing I see is like I see some of the top racers posting pictures of pits that were left behind, and it's just a mess. You know, it's just crap everywhere. Yeah. It's trash and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, that sucks. You know, so hard to control everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And the racing crowd, the rally crowd is obviously is very like very different. Obviously, you don't have that many spectators, which I don't know if that helps or hurts the sport. You know, at least here. But, but nice. 
All right. Yeah, that, that can be debated because, you know, that's hard because then you'd have to reveal the route. You know, I think in the, in the Dakar rally, they just tell them, hey, be at this GPS coordinate between this hour and this hour. And hopefully something will, will happen that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Somebody will cross through there. I mean, you know, that, that's true. I mean, you could technically for these rallies, you could say, hey, you know, uh, this is going to be the access point for watching them. And as long as there's not one every 10 miles. You know, so then you you don't you know from one to the next you can't see where it is. That'd be kind of cool. Then you know, you know the spots. You know what's going to be a real epic picture and where you really want people to see it. And you know that the bikes and everybody's got to kind of come through there. You know, right? Probably not a bad, not a bad deal. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Get the only time there. I saw camera people and I wasn't happy about it was at Sonora because they were all like right after a pretty tricky note. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you did, you couldn't screw it up as long as you went to the camera guys. <laughs> and that day, Kendall came in and he was like, who is the only one who got this trail? And I was like, yep, right here, this guy. And everybody else was like, they, they were doing like, they made it an HP when there was like this small trail over here where you could just be wide open. Mm-hmm. And it was so annoying that the camera guys were there. I was like, ah, I felt like I did really did something there. But then in the end, it didn't matter because you see all the tracks come right back in where the camera guys are. Uh, so that's something hard about having people out there is obviously yeah. you give away the course. Yeah. That's what the Dakar guys say. They like the camera guys because that's where the, the danger sections are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a age I, I grew up racing in Baja, and that was the thing. You go, People don't hang out in a cluster for no reason. <laughs> yeah. If there's a bunch of them there, you can bet there's going to be something there. And if there wasn't when you went through pre-running, it's there now because they built it. The old traps. Yeah. Yeah, we had a we had a few of those. Yeah, we we burned a few. And and some of these guys, I'll, you know what? I'll I'll give them an A for effort. Some of these guys start off early. Like I've I remember going in pre-running and, and these guys would like build. So we knew growing up down there that if uh, if you're like one of the lead cars or there was something pretty gnarly on the course, like even the helicopters would fly up in front of you and then turn sideways and just hover over where they had seen, you know, some kind of issue or whatever. And oh, that's some, cool. And it, yeah. And, and I mean, and honestly, like in the beginning, it was really cool for the bikes. Cause if, first of all, there are no classes for building jumps and <laughs> it's always the guy that really doesn't understand jumping or how jumps work that builds it. So it's just this like 900 foot tall speed bump. So on a bike, that's super dangerous because they're fresh. No cars have gone over it to, you know, beat a lip mm-hmm. into it or whatever. And some of these guys were actually starting to build booby traps uh, near water crossings and under trees. So the helicopters and some of those couldn't see it. And I remember going through an area once and they were like, this was like the afternoon before the start of the race in the morning. And these guys are out there with shovels and just going to town. Jeez. And I'm like, dude, what are these guys doing? So. I mean, it's been a few years now. Yeah, I you know, dropped the clutch and absolutely destroyed what they did on it. But it was like, it's that and roost them or, or it's going to be, you know, the one X bike that comes through there, doesn't catch or whatever, or the guy in the dust behind him that doesn't catch it. And now we've got an issue, you know, and it's, it's kind of a sucky place. And it's kind of really sucks to have to look out for that kind of stuff because they want action, you know, but I don't know. You just kind of grow up and, and you kind of deal with it. And in rally, you're not going to see that. I mean, in rally, it's the natural, literally, it's you and Mother Nature because nobody's really out there grooming anything. Yeah. So, so 
That should be fun. So awesome. So we've got a pretty good pretty good game plan going. Mason, you'll be racing for the next or riding for the next six weeks. Pretty much nonstop. So yep. Pretty got, much. Got all your busy. Uh, got all your gear squared away and everything. I saw you posted uh, some fly stuff today, or was it yesterday? Yeah, we got some pretty sick new gear. Nice. Pretty excited about it. All right. All right. Should be looking great out there at those races. Yeah. I got some new boots. Um, I made my own vented boots with Tech 10s. I got a really big drill bit. <laughs> I put two big holes in the front of the toes and one in the back. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Crafty. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you gotta, uh, you're going to be running through some hot areas. Yeah. Definitely want to. Yeah. Definitely want the venting on that. Little tip. Mm-hmm. It's not only just about taking the booty out because, like, the inner liner likes to get wrapped up around the drill bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all really just luck. Uh, One boot I got really lucky. The other boot, not so lucky. And I had to get the scissors out on the inside of the boot. Eey. And I don't think I even noticed a difference when riding with them. Oh, really? Yeah, but... All the rally guys do it, so I figured I should do it. There you go. After I've snow, got those, pretty bad, so hopefully this helps. I got a pair of the vented, uh, what are the Tech 10s or something like that, and they, they do flow a little bit of air, and they're very sensitive to your foot position. Like, if your toe's down, you're not getting the air, but, you know, obviously at higher speed, you keep your toe flat, near, you know, pointed straight forward, and you can feel that flow going through. Uh, but then, you know, you get them clogged up with mud or dust or something like that, and they don't flow anymore. So it's kind of hit or miss. I don't think I've ever gone very fast with them yet, really. I've just been riding in the sand wash doing a whoop track with my brother. So maybe that's why. Right, right. Yeah, on those straightaways, when you get up going or on liaisons, you'll feel it. Just make sure you point your toes straight forward, and that gets, you know, forces the air in. Nice. Yeah, it's good to know. Yeah. I've never really used them. <laughs> Every, everything and anything to be comfortable because uh, they're they're long days usually. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. So then, uh, what's uh, Dave and Dan? What are you guys riding next? I know. Are you guys doing anything before your events? Uh, just proofing road books. If I can, you know, get out there uh, enough to knock them all, all four of them up, I'll probably do the two bigger ones. Those are the ones that are most susceptible to change. And, uh, that's pretty much it. I just got back from six days of riding Colorado. So I got to do some family time. There you go. All right. Dave. Yes. Same, same. Just making sure these books are good and same. I just, I just got back from doing three days out in Colorado and five miles of hell with my buddy and, um, now it's just these road books and make sure we do the best we can to buff out Mason and, um, you know, just raise, raise as much money as we can so he can go over there with no money stress and just concentrate on riding his bike. There you go. Exactly. That'd be a good position to be in. So I'm a pretty lucky person right now. Cause everybody's just doing all the work for me. <laughs> and I get to just show up and ride. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Kind of a kind of factory. There we go. We we'll go with kind exactly. of exactly. <laughs> C team. Uh, there <laughs> I think that would be a good T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of factory. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't want to be proud of that. Uh, I mean, I'm proud of what everybody else is doing for me. Yeah. But. Well, every, you know everybody starts somewhere. You got a long road ahead of you. So, the uh, who uh, here's something I didn't. Uh, when it comes to Dakar, uh, do you got somebody in the family going? Um, 
I'm bringing up my dad because it was really nice to have somebody like a parent with me at Sonora Mm -hmm. and my dad's been with me for both races and I think he's been really helpful. He'll make sure I eat in the morning and at night and make sure I'm drinking water. Mm -hmm. So it's just nice to have somebody like that there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Somebody to help. I mean, it, all the little things I, is what I would imagine. And you're right at Sonora. You had, you had the whole family though. Yeah. This last year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've been getting a lot of texts in the morning. Did you do this? Did you do that? (laughs) Yeah. I think it'll just be best for everybody. If my dad's there. There you go. Yeah, that's true. He could be the, he will be the point of communication. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let you do your thing. So. Yep. Very nice. And then, uh, Dave, Dan, what are you guys racing next? Um, I just saw that they posted the dates for Sonora. So, um, you know, once the registrations open up, I'm definitely focused on that. That's going to be in March this year. Nice. I was going to do it last year, but then when they went from March to May, I was like, eh, no, thank you. I'm not going to Yuma desert, you know, 110 degrees. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there were some pretty dicey days in there <laughs> and it can get plenty hot in May. I mean, I remember one of the years it was like 115 and 120 in the dunes. And, you know, even like one of the locals had heat stroke and I was about to stroke out and barely made it out. So, uh, you know, May's plenty warm for me. Yeah. No, yeah. Or, sorry. Uh, yeah. March. Yeah, well, I know, I know Dave, you had to deal with that this year, right? Yeah. Yes, it did. It, it got hot and I'm, I'm glad that everybody came out on Thursday on day four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw people's faces coming in and I was like, dude, this was rough. Some people had some really long days. Yes. Yeah, and it's just not the right, and it's sleeping in the tent at night when it doesn't get cool, and the mosquitoes are flying around. It's you know no fun. I I heard I heard that was the deal at one of the one of the bivouacs at Sultan. It's just if you were on one side, it was the frogs, and if you were on the other side, it was the mosquitoes. The old date farm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still. I mean, it's still a really bitching place, though. Like I would go back there to hang out. You know, I just thought it was a really cool, cool kind of little area. Blue. I really like the food. And the grass area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They had, yeah. It was kind of cool, like how they did that, and then the 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 starting line, how they did that, and the finish line or or the entrance into the bivouac. Uh, yeah. Under those palm trees that were there, that was pretty cool. Good for pictures. Yes, it was. Very much so. So, Dave Sonora. You, you know, bud. I uh, I'm I'm hoping so. I'm looking at the next uh, little secret. I'm looking at the next seven years of funneling two or three international rallies um, because I do have some aspirations. I'm going to bring in my 58 years uh, birthday with uh, I want to do Dakar in 2029, the year after my son graduates high school. Nice. All right. So that'd be awesome. There we go. Going international. Yeah, so Rally Du Maroc, I, I, my original plan was to do Rally Du Maroc this year, but I canceled it prior to Sonora when we didn't know if it was going to take place. So, um, and it didn't gosh. happen, so that's good. Well, I, well, you're going now, so carry the flag, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. But I, so Rally Du Maroc, though, that's, I mean, that's, I don't know about sand dunes. I just, I, I haven't had enough experience in sand dunes in a, on a dirt bike to say, okay, I, that's how I see Morocco, the Rally de Morocco. It's just mostly sand. Their Instagram video said lots of dunes this year for Dakar and Morocco. Mm. 
they got some serious rocky sections in the you know when they go through the atlas mountains there's some pretty good rock oh man so that sounds good for me too (laughs) (laughs) what's uh mason terrain what what terrain do you feel you you're most effective and and ride good in what's your strong suit flat roads (laughs) (laughs) i don't have that much time in the dunes and i'm not very good at turning so flat roads with 90 degree intersections with a lot of navigation that's all me that's your jam all right. Yeah. Point and shoot, point and shoot. I see. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and then I you need, have, you I need have, some more time in the dunes. Yeah, and then you have the weight advantage. Yeah. You don't, you don't weigh anything, so the bike advantage. doesn't even know you're there. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely more aerodynamic than a few of the other top guys. So. Yeah. There you go. It's just like the supercross guys or the what's it called the marathon runners. Mm-hmm. They're all skinny. Yeah. There you go. Lesson. So hopefully it helps me. Yeah. Because I've been trying to put on weight. I just lost five pounds in a day. I wish I had your problem. I just looked at a cupcake and gained those five pounds you lost. Yeah. I think it's more like four pounds, but hmm. that's a little water weight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it is because uh-huh. I, I weigh myself after I eat. <laughs> and today I didn't eat. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well. Yeah, you're learning. The body's got to burn calories whether you're doing anything or not. So, Yeah. Nice. And so speaking of burning calories and all that stuff, so what else are you doing? I know you're going to be doing a bunch of bike riding, but you got a trainer? Are you on some kind of training program? Or My brother and I have been doing motorcycles every day we can and in the gym every day we can. We used to have a trainer, but we've been – spending money in other places now obviously mm-hmm. so we've just been working together to help each other in our own racing he's doing works in hair and hound and all this stuff nice and he's doing really good so it's nice to have somebody with similar goals we could push each other i think it works really good do you, do you do any bicycling for the cardio yeah but it when we have free time and we're not working on our dirt bikes we are usually on our dirt bikes or in the gym <laughs> Right on. And doing college, right? Exactly. I got uh, accepted at ASU online. Sweet. So I can keep doing school and rallying. Makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Nice. What are you, uh, what are you studying, if we may not? boy. Uh, I think I'm switching to sports business. Before, I thought I was going to be a computer programmer, mm-hmm. which is probably a really good thing still. Mm-hmm. But then I decided it'd be nice to have a business degree in sports because I want to work around dirt bikes in the future. And maybe it'll help me get in with KTM if they don't give me free dirt bikes to race. Team team manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. exactly. There you go. If I'm not racing the dirt bikes, I want to get paid to break them. <laughs> Whatever I got to do to get in there. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody from KTM is listening. <laughs> exactly. Future test rider. <laughs> My brother and I, we can do a good job. There we go. Well, I'm trying to get Quinn Cody on here, so maybe I'll I'll put in a word, word, good word for you. <laughs> like, yeah, Yo. that's a good idea. <laughs> Tell him to teach us all about what he does, so then I know if I want to do it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've that got a key, I've got a factor. few sneaky questions for him on the 790 that I'm trying to figure out, but you know, we'll see. So, but, but yeah. 
Nice. Well, cool. Well, so what else? All right. So let's uh, let's recap this. So Mason, you're out of here this weekend. Headed to Morocco. Saturday morning, gone. All right. And then uh, that's over to Jordy's place. Do some training for a week or so or a couple weeks. And then you're headed to Morocco. Uh, Race Morocco and get ready for a SoCal rally. Okay. And uh, Dan, SoCal rally, right? October 20th through 24th? That is correct. Nice. All right. And then uh, so Adventure Rider is the place to go for that? The racing section, yep. Okay. On the racing section. And I'll, I'll put a link in the description so people can can quickly jump to it. Um, and then, yeah, this, so they just get signed up there. Uh, I think there was a link at the bottom, right, of the uh, the first post? Correct. There it is, SCRR registration. All right. I think it's also in my Instagram bio. Okay, cool. So that on uh, the Mason Klein Instagram. Uh, did you put it on the core off-road one as well, or is it just on your personal one? Uh, say it again. Is it on the core the core uh, one as my well? Personal. On your personal one. Okay. My personal. All right. And what's your personal Instagram? Mason underscore Klein number one. There we go. All right, so we'll get that going. We'll put some Instagram links in there as well. So we'll be doing that in October, 20 through 24. And then Dave, then we're all headed to Vegas, November 12th through the 14th. Put it all on black. There we go. And then, uh, let's see. And if we want more information on yours, we'll just shoot you a quick email, right? Dave at ridehappy.net. That's correct. That that would be great, and and also we can do Instagram right at Ride Happy Dave. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll hit you up on the on the DMs and get your uh, get your information, and then you can get them the info on on the event. Nice. Well, sounds like a plan. And then uh, and then we already figured out. So, what was the challenge? If you complete every roadbook mile at both events, we'll get a, a jersey from Mason. One correct. of the car jerseys. All right. Yep. Okay. But, well, now wait, hold on. What if there's more than one person that finishes every roadbook mile? What's going to be the tiebreaker? That's where you get your wallet out and you help me pay for whatever we didn't already pay for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Attaboy, <Damn>. mate. <laughs> yeah. Ta-da. Then it becomes an auction. <laughs> if, it, if it gets that far, All right. then you get more roadbooks and you get to ride roadbooks with me. There you go. There you go. Uh, that you know that would be kind of a cool you know one on one. Wait, we're uh, well. I know you you've got a bunch of stuff going on, and then Skyler being picked up by this one small time dirt bike team. Um, what was the uh, the school thing? Were you guys still thinking about doing a school, doing some classes? Obviously, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. But now that uh, KTM came down, they took a lot of our time. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to be pretty busy, mm-hmm. but the good news is I have like 3,500 kilometers of road books in Utah now. Nice. So when Skyler and I get some time, we'll definitely do some riding, do some stuff. All right. And write some people down, have a great time. Nice. Well, I've got a project bike that I'm thinking I'm working on and, and getting done and turning into a rally bike. And so when that's ready, I'll probably be ready. Yes. Perfect. And then we'll yeah, and I'm glad, I'm glad you, you wise did not to do the 250 because you're going to need a 450 or 500. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
or slightly bigger. So I think, sure. I think I figured it out after after seeing uh, and <laughs> and in my dreams, would I ever be able to whip a bike and, and have somebody check the skid plate for? Well, if somebody's checking my skid plate, it's not because it was style points like Skyler <laughs> over that rise. But uh, but yeah, I guess whatever. We'll talk about it. So, yeah, so um, I'm actually now looking at a 690, which is kind of weird because I've been all over the place. You know, I went from a 250 into now thinking about a 690, but. Uh, I just think that the rally wise, the rally stuff out there is so much more readily available. They got the, all that fancy stuff and you can get the parts and you can make it the same as my bike. Yeah. It, without like a couple clicks of the mouse and a credit card that's got some room on it. Um, yeah. You know, but and, and I mean, and that's not to say now, now let me back it up too. Uh, I mean, if you already have the, the 500s and the, the 250 or 350s and things like that, you know, moto minded. Yep. Go right to them. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's just like, you know, like they said, if you ever, when you finally own the thing that you want, if you walk away and you have to turn around to look back at it again and going, yep, then you know you bought the right thing. And so yeah. I feel like that's just going to be a, a 690 in full Dakar dress in the garage. So, that's the way you need. Yeah. You know, it's only money, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing. I just got to figure out how to print it and not get caught. No one's going to see you. <laughs> nice. Well, cool. Well, let's wrap it up, guys. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time, and uh, I think this is going to be fun. We're going to close out the year pretty good with some rally stuff going on. So, Any parting words? Anything you guys want to throw in before we hang up? Thanks for bringing us all together. Thank you, Dan, for putting on a rally. Thank you, Dave, for putting on a rally. Thank you for doing all the work. Can't wait to get back to doing some more road books with everybody. Nice. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And, Mason, thank you for being being who you are and doing what you're doing because it's super exciting just to be a fan. So thank you for being a great young kid that's – going to take the world by storm thank you for always having my back dave you got it man <laughs> nice all right guys well yeah i really appreciate you taking the time and i'm i'm excited and uh this will actually be uh i will leave it processing it'll probably be uh posted tomorrow morning so get this uh get this episode out there into the wild and start getting some people uh excited awesome cool all right guys well you have a good evening and uh we'll talk soon Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Too. I mean, night. Night. <laughs> All right. Hang on. What time you're watching this, right? I didn't screw that up. No, true. This is very true. And and by the time it gets up, there's probably people going to bed because we do have some uh, people internationally uh, checking this yeah. out as well. So awesome. What kind of traffic are you getting uh, on average on these podcasts? Uh, three to four hundred listeners per episode. I'm not bad. Pretty yeah. good. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> I just keep blabbering on, and it seems like it's growing. So, yeah, we'll see. Awesome. We'll see. The goal the goal is to be able to go report at the car one of these days and do podcasts. I actually no, I rather do live podcast episodes at the local rallies and hanging out with everybody. I think that's for more fun. I I've heard Sounds what like Justin and Kira have to put up with at the car, and I don't know if I want to sign up for that. <laughs> nice. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Adios. Hasta luego. Bye. See ya. All right. So that was a wrap. That was it.
hour and a half talking to Mason Klein, the youngest Dakar entrant, hopefully one of the youngest Dakar podium finishers, and then soon to be one of the youngest. I don't know what else. I don't know how many other titles we could put on there with the age thing. And then, of course, that was Dan Bartolucci from SoCal Roadbook Rally. Uh, we got him on there. That ride coming up, which is going to be pretty epic out in the Mojave Desert area. And then uh, out in the Vegas area with uh, Happy Dave out there and doing some roadbooks as well. So I am trying to figure out now for sure is uh, how I could get some time and, and head out to both of these events, even though they're kind of close together, which is awesome. Um, kind of keep track and, and see and, and just hang out. Uh, honestly, just hanging out in the bivouacs and talking to these guys. And and, and you guys heard the, the stories. There's just way more of those going on and back and forth and stuff like that. So it is probably uh, just to go out and just to hang out in the bivouac and camp out and spend a weekend in the desert uh, and watching these guys ride and do with their stuff. And it, it just uh, it's just awesome. You know, the stories that you're going to hear and the things that you're going to be around and and checking out the bikes. You know, you look at some of these bikes and it's just uh, what it takes to get them ready for a road book and, and what they do, especially like the bikes that, uh, Mason is riding, um, you know, former factory bikes, things like that. You know, there's all these little trick things that you get and, and can find in and see. So I'm, I'm excited. We got some stuff going down. It's, we're going to close the year off really well, uh, in the rally stuff here in North America and, uh, specifically the U S but Hey, the Canada guys, I know they're working on stuff up there. You got Matthew Glade over at Rally Moto Shop um, doing his thing up there, and and hopefully you know maybe we get a, a Canada rally going. I don't I don't know all the stuff that's going on up there, but it'd be great to find out a little bit more, and maybe we uh, uh we start doing our own stuff here. You know, Dakar had to start somewhere, so we could start this here. So I am looking forward to it. Anyway, uh, that is enough rambling on my behalf. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Don't forget like, subscribe, and do all that cool stuff. Spread the word. Get the episode out there. I really appreciate it. And we got a ton of stuff for you guys to listen to. Uh, you know, those just the last few episodes, uh, Dave Black, Paul Neff, Jimmy Lewis, um, and then going back, Scotty from Baja Rally, Darren from uh, Sonora Rally. Uh, you've had We've had Alex Martins from Conflict. We've had Chris uh, over from Rottweiler Performance as well. So a lot of stuff to listen to, a lot of really great episodes, a lot of great information. So I really hope you guys take the time to like and subscribe and uh, check them out. So anyway, with that being said, see ya. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.